Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. like to talk to you this morning about keeping your faith in troubling times. How many knows these are troubling times? And we got to keep our faith in these times. You know, based on all the events that transpired in this past week, the events that are transpiring on a daily basis right now, and I noticed that it seems like a lot of Christians are really shaken by it. And you know, some are even beginning to wonder where God is. Where, why is this happening? Where is God? Why didn't he show up last week? Where, what is he doing? And, uh, you know, just because things don't go our way or things aren't being done the way that we think they should be done, it doesn't mean that God has left the building. Amen. He's not Elvis. He didn't leave the building. And we have to understand it doesn't mean he's not involved. It just means that we don't have the whole picture. God's operating with the big picture. We just seen a little bit of it. Amen. And, you know, when the Roman sailors were taking the apostle Paul to Rome to stand before Caesar, they got on a ship and God tried to warn them through the apostle Paul that, you know, it's not a good time to sail. And I don't think it's a good idea that you leave the port. And uh, but they wouldn't listen to Paul. They wouldn't listen to God. And uh, isn't it funny how when we don't listen to the word, how things just seem to go <laughs> downhill from there. Amen. And that's exactly what happened to them. And so, uh, but anyway, Paul knew the ship wasn't going to make it and there would be a total loss. And at this time, possibly even those that were on board, the sailors, the guards, the Roman uh, centurion, all of them would lose their lives as well. But to make a long story short, they find themselves in this terrible storm, and of course, they're all freaking out. But Paul, a representative of the church, was fasting and praying. And in the middle of the night, God sent him an angel with a message. He said, the angel of the Lord, so I believe it was Jesus himself. And he said, fear not, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar. So this is the 27th chapter of Acts. But it's obvious God wanted him to go before Caesar because he, he prophesied to Paul long before that that he would preach to kings and uh, he would uh, preach even to Caesar. So, uh, but anyway, he says, Fear not, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And so God hath given you all them that sail with you, but the ship will be lost. So in other words, nobody's going to lose their lives, but the ship is going to be lost. So the next day, Paul conveyed that message to the crew, and he told them, Be of good cheer, for there stood by me that this night the angel of God whom I serve, and he told me there shall be no loss of any man's life, but the ship is a goner. The ship ain't going to make it. The cargo ain't going to make it. Uh, just all of you are going to make it. And then he said, so be of good cheer, for I believe God. In other words, cheer up. They obviously were downtrodden and downhearted and disappointed. They didn't like what was going on. And so he says, cheer up, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. 
Listen to me now. I believe it should be even as it was told me. Cheer up. But when the going got rough and the storm was at its worst, and they didn't think they were going to make it, they started to jump ship. Amen. But Paul warned the centurion and he warned the sailors, the soldiers. He said, except you stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. You have to stay in the ship. In other words, this isn't the time to get discouraged and start doubting what God said. Remember what he told me. He says, only the ship will be lost. Everybody else will live if you stay in the ship. And I know we're in a storm and it's not looking like we're going to make it. But cheer up, stay in the ship, don't abandon the ship, for I believe God that it shall be even as he told us. Amen? Amen. And you know, now some of you might be surprised at what I'm about to say, but believe it or not, God knows what he's doing, and he's a whole lot smarter than we are. He's way ahead of you. You may think you have something figured out, but... God's just going to show you you didn't even know what was going on. Amen? And I believe that's what's happening right now. You know, God spoke through the prophet Isaiah, and he said, My thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. In other words, we don't do things the same. We don't think the same. He says, My thoughts are way higher than your thoughts, and my ways are way higher than your thoughts. So we can't figure God out. We don't think like him. We don't act like him. Amen. Sometimes we just have to sit back like Pastor Ed says, keep our mouth shut and learn. Amen. Learn. And what's going on right now is way more than meets the eye. I mean, there's more to this than what we can see in the natural. And we have to discern things with our spiritual eyes and with our spiritual uh understanding with our hearts we have to discern things we can't just take everything at face value you know what you're seeing in the natural doesn't mean that it's true doesn't mean it's going to happen doesn't mean that uh you're going to lose amen we have to discern what's going on we have to know what's going on from god's perspective we have to take our eyes off of the storm and get them on jesus You remember when Peter got out of the boat, he's walking on the water, and he's doing pretty good. And then he takes his eyes off of Jesus and starts looking at the storm, and then he what? Started sinking. And that'll happen every time when you take your eyes off of the Lord and you start looking at the storm, then all of a sudden the storm seems bigger than God is, and you'll sink every time. Amen. So, uh, and, and I know it's easy to sit back. As an armchair quarterback, I used to be one when I watched football. I don't watch it anymore. Especially after your team just lost, and then you can analyze the game, and you can point fingers and place blame and criticize everything that happened, right? Because hindsight is crystal clear. Hindsight is always 20-20. And so we think that we know better than God does. And the church should have been ahead of the things that happened a few days ago and ahead of the things that are happening now. I mean, the signs were there, and yet it seems like all this caught us by surprise, and it shouldn't have. 
Caught me by surprise, too. I'm not saying I'm, I'm above anybody else. But the warning signs, looking back on it now, in hindsight, quarterbacking this thing from the armchair, the warning signs were all there. The indicators were all there. I even seen some people hinting to it that, hey, this is going to happen. Hey, they said this and they said that. And I think you know what I'm talking about, but we didn't listen to that. We just went into this thing. You know, it's one thing to be deceived, and it's another thing when you go into something and your eyes are wide open. Shame on us, right? And I'll tell you why this happened. I'll tell you why we didn't head it off is because we thought we had it all figured out, the church, when I say we. And we all had our eyes on the storm rather than focusing on the Lord. And most of us put our faith in a man more than we did in God. And so God teaches us things, and he has to teach us lessons. And unfortunately, we, it seems like we always have to learn the hard way, but our prayers were focused on a few politicians. Oh, God, give them wisdom and courage. Oh, God, make them do the right thing. Oh, God, make them turn this thing around in one fell swoop. And we've all been praying and believing that rhymes with fence would be the man to save this rhymes with selection and turn this thing around. And I'm not criticizing these men. I prayed for them, too. And it was almost like we were looking for them to be our savior. And how many knows God don't like that? And we were so busy telling God what we wanted him to do that we never bothered asking him what he wanted to do and furthermore what we should do. He would have told us. I can't believe he wouldn't have told us. We had spiritual leaders, good men and women of God, good spiritual leaders on the front lines and they didn't see it. Remember last week we talked about the encounter Joshua had with the commander of the Lord's army? And Joshua asked him, are you friend or foe? Are you for us or against us? And the Lord replied, neither one. I'm neither for you or against you. I am the commander of the Lord's army. The question is, are you with me? The question is, who are you with? And so there was a valuable lesson in this because you remember what Joshua said? He said, all right, Lord, listen up now. Here's what I need you to do. No, he didn't say that. That's what we say. He fell on his face and he said, what do you want me, your servant, to do? And that's where we've been missing it. We need to fall on our face in repentance and ask the Lord, what do you need me? your servant to do. See, we don't boss the commander around. He tells us what to do. And, and, you know, we need to find out what's God's will. What do you want to do in this matter? What is your will? And, and then tell him, what do you want me to do? And then do what he tells you to do. I'm telling you, this is a time for the church to learn and grow. 
And, and the Lord will show us battle strategies just like he showed Joshua. He's no respecter of persons. He will show us battle strategies. And the next move, if we'll fall on our face in humility and ask him, what do you want me, your servant, to do? Amen. And quit praying those Bossy prayers. <laughs> Quit bossing God around. <laughs> Amen. And, you know, in a way, that's nothing but stinking pride. And what does God do with pride? He resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And so that's what Joshua did. He humbled himself before the Lord. And I'm telling you, all through the Bible, when you see somebody humble themselves before the Lord, the next thing you see is them getting exalted, them winning the battle, them getting the victory. Amen, every time. But when you get proud before the Lord and think you know more than he does and start telling them what you want done, he's going to resist you every time. Amen. And this is something that we have to learn at this hour is, is we have to learn how to pray and ask God what he wants to do. Ask him for the marching orders. Ask him for the battle strategies. Amen. And then humble ourselves and do them. And, and uh, you know, I realize the Lord usually has to work through a man. That's the way it's set up. Uh, sometimes he does things on his own. He don't have to check with nobody. But usually he works through a man. His eyes go to and fro throughout the earth, seeing if he could find somebody that he could use. Amen. And so uh, I realize he has to do that, but it's not our job to tell him who that man is or how he should use that man. It's obvious now that rhymes with fence wasn't the man for the job. And we don't think the way the Lord thinks, right? His ways, his thoughts are higher. His ways are higher than ours. For example, and, you know, we just come out of the Christmas season. This is appropriate. It's a good example. It's a little bit about Christmas, but that's all right. But, for example, if it was the church's job to announce the Lord's birth, what would we have done? We would have found the biggest church, the biggest synagogue, and we would announce it at the Sunday morning service, Probably the middle service, you know, the early one, there's not enough people, the middle one, maybe even the late one. Somewhere in between there, we would announce the Lord's birth to all the religious leaders and everybody in the church. But the Lord don't think like us. His ways are not like our ways. So what does he do? He announces it to a couple of lowly shepherds working the night shift in a field full of paddies. We would have never did that. We'd have been afraid to step on something. We wouldn't have wanted to go out in the dark. We'd have slept till the next day and did it the next day, like I said, in a church service. And this is what I, this, the point I'm trying to make is this is not how the Lord thinks. And unless we start thinking like him, we're going to be all wrong in everything that we think and do. We chose the politicians and the lawyers to bring the cracking. But it's obvious now that they weren't the ones to bring it. God chose them to expose darkness, but he didn't choose them to do what only he could do. And now God, you know, now God may still use them, but he will be the one to bring the cracking. He will be the one to get the glory. 
Amen? And, and well, I just knew rhymes with fence was going to stand up. But I think if you put too much faith in a man, he's going to let you down. And I still believe he's a good man. I don't have anything against rhymes with fence. But I'm going to tell you this. We were wrong to think that he was going to save this thing. We looked to him like he was the Savior. He's not the Savior. No man, no politician, no religious leader, no one is the Savior except Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And Proverbs tells us that a person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. The Lord don't look on the outward appearance. He don't care what your status is. He don't care if you're a CEO, a, a CFO. He don't care if you own this or own that or how much money you got or anything else. He's looking at your heart. Amen. He wants to check what's on your heart. Right. And we don't do that. We judge by the outward appearance. Mm -hmm. He'll do. Look at him. The Lord said, no, I rejected him. Right. And, and, you know... God knew that rhymes with fence didn't have the heart for the job at hand. And God is teaching us not to put our trust in a man. He's teaching us to, you know, lean on him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Acknowledge his ways and follow him. Do what he says to do. Uh, acknowledge him and he'll keep your paths straight. Amen. And so we weren't doing that. We were putting our faith in something less than God. And the enemy knows what he's doing. He knew exactly what to do to get the church depressed and downtrodden in the mully grubs. He wants us to throw our hands up and, and give in and give up. It's over. I mean, it's, it's gone too far now. There's nothing that can be done. No, it's not up to them. Uh, I mean... Again, don't get me wrong, I think Ryan Wisfence is doing a good job. He's done a good job. He's been faithful. I don't have anything against him. But I can see where we can get off track, put our faith in the wrong person or wrong thing, and lose focus on God. And, and it's easy to get depressed at these times, and I see that all through the church. I see that in a lot of people. They are depressed. They're downtrodden. They think it's over. They think they've lost, but we haven't. And, and I'm going to tell you something. I had to grab myself by the collar and jerk myself up. So I know if it affected me, it's got to affect you. We're the same. Amen? Same flesh. But Pastor S said it's time to pull your big boy panties up and get to work. <laughs> Amen? And, and, you know, we try to figure God out with our little peanut brain. And we get it wrong every time. Yes. Why? God's thoughts ain't our thoughts. Yes. His ways ain't our ways. They're much higher than ours are. The Lord knows the end from the beginning. He's never wrong, and he's never had, nor will he ever have to say, oh, oh or oops. He's never had to say that. He never will have to say that because he don't make mistakes. Nothing catches him by surprise. <laughs> He's not sitting up in heaven wringing his hands and wondering where he missed it. How come I didn't see that? I, I should have seen that coming. No, that's the church doing that. That's the body of Christ doing that. The head ain't doing that. The head's seen it coming. And I'm sure the head tried to warn 
the body. I'm telling you, if there's something wrong with my body, my head's going to tell me. Amen. And, and so he doesn't do those things. He don't get caught by surprise. And, and I'm going to tell you another thing I've been hearing. And I'm just going to warn everybody. Don't be bad-mouthing his prophets and preachers either. God told us plainly, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. And that means you don't touch them with your tongue either. And you don't touch them, uh, you don't touch their reputations or, or harm their reputations. Yeah, but the prophets said, what did the prophets say? Well, they said Rhymes with Rump would win the election by a landslide. He did. They said the Rhymes with Resident would serve four more years. How do you know he won't? See, don't put all your faith in what the prophet said. Learn this lesson. Put your faith in the one who's telling them what to say. Besides, it's our job to discern what the prophets are saying anyway. Paul said uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, chapter 14, when the prophets speak, those that are inspired to preach or teach, that we should pay attention and discern or weigh carefully what is said. So, you know, you're the ultimate filter. You're the, you're the last line before it gets to your heart. You have to discern and weigh carefully what was said. So that's telling me that Paul realizes that the prophets and the preachers are going to miss it once in a while. They're not perfect. Uh, don't judge the vessel either. Judge what comes out of the vessel. You know, Paul talked about uh, uh, vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. You know, well, what's a vessel of honor? You put some expensive perfume in it. What's a vessel of dishonor? You put some used motor oil in it. But you can't tell the difference by looking at the vessels if they're the same. The only thing you can tell is when they start pouring out. Then you can tell what's good and what isn't. What's honorable and what's dishonorable. Amen? So don't get hung up on... Judging the vessel. You know, Pastor Ed won't buy generic products. And you know why? It's not because of the container. She don't care if it's got a fancy label or not. It's she don't trust the one that put into the container. <laughs> She'll buy Del Monte. She'll buy Green Giant because she trusts them to fill the can with quality food. The container doesn't mean anything. It's what's coming out of the container. Uh, if the pudding tastes good, who cares what the container looks like that it came out of, right? But a lot of us will never get to taste the pudding because we don't like the container. We don't like the way the vessel looks. And so we miss out on some good things in life. And, and this is my point. We're watching Flashpoint on the Victory broadcast the other night, and they had some well-known prophets on there like Doug Sheets, Lance Wallnow, uh, Hank Kuhneman, uh, Mario Murillo. And then they had this one woman. I'd never seen her before this, which don't mean anything. But she was an elderly lady with bright pink hair. And she's sitting with the prophets. Is Saul among the prophets? 
yeah, she's sitting with the prophets, and I got to be honest with you, I wasn't feeling the pink hair. But then I realized, don't judge the vessel. Don't judge the vessel. Don't look at the container. Don't look at the container. Wait till you see what comes out of it. Amen? And I followed that good advice. And I'm glad I did. Because as soon as she opened her mouth, I knew she was the real thing. I knew she was hearing from God and she was a prophet of God. And her words were so encouraging and uplifting that we walked away from there uh, with uplifted spirits. You know, we were encouraged by what she had to say. And, and my whole point is this. Don't judge the container. Judge what comes out of it. Now, if I would have judged the container and turned that off, I would have missed what God had to say yeah. at that time. No, she would have she kept listening. But I know things aren't looking good in the natural right now, but I know in whom I put my trust. Amen. Amen. And it's not with anyone in rhymes with a place that has red apples. And I'm telling you, it's not over till God says it's over. And I haven't heard him say that yet. Rhymes with Sausington. <laughs> you know, God might not show up when you want him to. I couldn't think of nothing. But he always shows up at the right time. <laughs> now, I'm sure the three Hebrew boys would have liked for him to show up before they got thrown in the fiery furnace. Amen? But he didn't. But he met them in the furnace. And nobody got burned. The Bible said they didn't even smell like smoke. So sometimes you're going to have to go in a furnace. Come on, I'm talking about keeping your faith in troubling times. Look what they told the old king in Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you concerning this matter. And, and you know, there's a lot. He was trying to get them to bow to his statue, his system, his government. Oh, I should have said Ryan's whatever, get him in. But, you know, there's a lot of pastors and ministers I've been noticing, and especially the prophets that feel like they need to defend themselves or explain why their prophecy hasn't come to pass or explain why something they preach didn't come to pass. And uh, some of them, like I said, are even apologizing. And, and if you missed it, just say you missed it and move on. Amen? Uh, no minister is perfect, although people expect them to be. And, and I'm not always right. Just ask Pastor Red. But I'll admit when I miss it every time. Most of the time. Sometime. All right. Once in a while, I'll admit it when I'm wrong. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I'm like the three Hebrew boys. I don't feel like I should have to defend myself. And if you want to throw me in the fiery furnace, go ahead. It ain't going to be my first trip in there, and it ain't going to be my last. Amen? But listen to me carefully now. This is something they said that really rang with me. They said, if we are thrown, now it didn't say Shadrach or Meshach or Abednego said this. It said they said. They were in unity. 
They said, if we are thrown in the blazing furnace, if a certain king and queen come to power, the God whom we serve is well able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand, from the power of their control. But even if things don't work out the way we expect them, your majesty, we want you to know we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold, the kingdom system that you have set up. There's so much more I'd like to say right here, but I'm being cautioned not to in the natural and in the spiritual realm. But anyway, how about Daniel? I'm sure he would have liked God to show up before he wound up in the den. I mean, we want God to show up so we don't have to suffer anything. We want God to show up so we don't have to go through anything. But I'm sorry to tell you that we're going to have some tests and trials. You're going to spend some time in the furnace. You're going to spend some time in the lion's den. And it doesn't mean that God don't know what's going on or he's deserted and abandoned you. God knows exactly what, you, what he's doing. If you wind up in the furnace, you belong in the furnace. If you wind up in the lion's den, you belong in the lion's den. Find out what he wants you to learn and he'll deliver you out of it. He'll be the fourth man in the fire. Amen. He'll be the one that shuts the lion's mouths. There's a lot of roaring lions right now, I'm telling you. But look at Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters. You think they would have liked the Lord to show up, oh, I don't know, four days earlier than he did? <laughs> you know, Jesus went to Lazarus' grave and he said, take away the stone. Martha said, now, see, he, she, he's thinking way higher than her. And Martha said, Lord, you know he stinks by now. See, she's thinking down here. God's thinking way up here. He's been dead four days. He could have been dead four years, and it wouldn't have made anything, any difference to the Lord. Dead is dead to us, but to God, it doesn't mean anything to him. And Jesus said, Again, listen to me. Jesus said, if you would just believe, you will see the glory of God. Well, what would happen if she didn't believe? What would happen if she started wavering and doubting? She would have never seen the glory of God. And in this case, it was the raising of Lazarus. That was the glory of God. And I'm telling you, it doesn't make any difference if the thing you're believing God for looks dead, or for that matter, is dead. It doesn't make any difference to God. That doesn't change God's mind. That doesn't change God's word. And it shouldn't change your mind. It shouldn't change your faith either. So what if it looks dead? So what if it is dead? God said this, and I believe it's going to happen just like he told me. Amen. Amen. He don't change. Jesus don't change. The Holy Ghost don't change. The Word don't change. And you shouldn't change either. Amen. Hebrews 11, verses 17 through 19. You know, Hebrews is the faith hall of fame, as we call it. There's so many faith accomplishments in that chapter, of the 11th chapter of Hebrews. But I want to talk about Abraham. In verse 17, it says, It was by faith 
that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham was in the furnace. Abraham, who had received or believed God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Let me show you what faith looks like. We're talking about keeping faith in troubling times. When God told Abraham to take his son, his only son, to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him there, the Bible says Abraham arose early in the morning. He didn't drag his feet. He didn't question God. He said, Isaac, pack your stuff up, grab a bundle of sticks for a fire, and follow me. And he went straight to Mount Moriah. And then when he gets there at the foot of the mountain, he tells his servants, he says, wait here, and we will return in a little while. That's faith. He's going up there to sacrifice his son on Mount Moriah, but he tells his servants, we, all of us, me, Isaac, and the servants, and the, everybody, we'll be back. That's faith. In verse 18, it says, even though God had told him Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. That was the promise. God said, I'll give you a son, and it's from him that your descendants will be counted. They'll be like the stars of the sky, the sands of the sea. So Abraham knew he had that promise from God. He had a word from God, and God couldn't go back on it. So Abraham's like, I'm going to do this thing. We'll see what happens. And then verse 19 says, Abraham reasoned. He thought about it, and he reasoned within, within himself that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. Amen. See, dead is dead to us, but not to God. And Abraham knew that. Abraham, for at least a short moment, was thinking like God thinks. And in a sense, the Bible says, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Because if God tells you you're dead, you're dead. And so in Abraham's mind, he was dead. And he, in a sense, received him back from God. Abraham had his son laying on the wood of that sacrifice that was going to be a fire on that altar and had his knife raised. But his eyes wasn't on Isaac. His eyes wasn't on the problem or the circumstances. His eyes was on God because he knew God had to do something and even if he didn't do something, I, uh, Abraham would have went through with it. And then he just stood back and said, I'm getting, getting ready to see a resurrection because God is going to have to raise him now because that's the one that's going to have my descendants. Yes. And so that was faith. That's Abraham's faith. Yes. Uh, he's called the father of faith for a reason, right? Yes. But he didn't have his eyes on the circumstances. He didn't have his eyes on the storm. He had his eyes on God. Amen. And that's what we need to learn. We need to have our eyes on God, the solution, not the problem. I'm still talking about faith in troubling times, right? Abraham is called the father of faith. Abraham knew what God promised him, so he never questioned God. He never uh, asked God anything about, why do I have to sacrifice my only son? You told me, blah, blah, blah. And start reasoning with God about sacrifice and saying he never questioned God. And he just packed up his stuff and headed for the mountain. And, and he had so much faith in God's word that he figured if, if I do kill my son, God's going to raise him. 
And I know it doesn't look good right now. I know it looks like it's as good as dead, but fix your eyes on God. Amen. Amen. I don't care what it looks like around me. It could look like it's dying. It could look like it's dead. It could even stink. I'm keeping my eyes on God. Because dead don't mean nothing to God. So the Bible tells us that Abraham heard something stirring behind him. And when he turned around, God stayed his hand. He said, Abraham, don't kill your son. And then Abraham heard something stirring behind him. He turns around. There's a ram caught in the bush by his horns. And, and so Abraham takes the ram out of the bush and replaces his son on the altar and sacrifices the ram. A substitute was provided for Abraham. And what Abraham didn't realize is that he was setting precedence for God's son that was coming in the future so that God would be able to legally slay his son on that same hill, that same mountain. Mount Moriah turned out to be Golgotha, the place where the cross was placed and Jesus was crucified. God had to do that legally, so he had to set precedence for it. And so that was what was going on there. But Abraham didn't even think about any of that stuff. He didn't care about none of that stuff. God said, I believed. And that's all Abraham knew. And sometimes I know it sounds simple, but that's how simple it is. God said, I believe. Period. Yeah, but did you know what happened the other day? God said, I believe. Yeah, but did you know what they're trying to do right now? God said, I believe. Period. I don't even want to get involved in all that other stuff. It don't mean anything. If God said something, nothing else means anything. Don't get caught up in it. That's when you start losing your faith, when you start listening to all this junk on the news. I don't know what's going to happen in the coming days. I don't claim to be a prophet. But one thing I do know is the one in whom I'm putting my trust, he won't let us down. We come too far to give up now. I hear a stirring in the bush. Hallelujah. James said this in James 1, 2 through 8. He says, my brethren counted all joy. In other words, get joyful when you fall into diverse temptations, tests, and trials. When you get thrown in the furnace, keep your joy and be joyful. Knowing this, that the trying, the testing of your faith, your time in the furnace is going to work patience. It's going to take patience. And then he says, but let patience have her perfect work. In other words, let patience work it out, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Upbraideth means he won't withhold it from you. And then he says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So I don't care what comes at me. I will not allow the devil to steal my joy. Because the joy of the Lord is what? Your strength. 
I will keep my patience. I will continue to ask God for wisdom. I will not let my, way, my faith waver. And I will not become double-minded and unstable in all my ways. In other words, God said, I believe it. If, if, if I say anything else, I'm wavering. I know God said it, but it ain't looking like that right now. So-and-so said, so-and-so is doing no, that's wavering. You're a double-minded man and unstable in all your ways. You know what double-minded is? Somebody wears a belt and suspenders. That's a double-minded person. What do you want to hold your pants up? No, I'm just kidding. I won't be like that. God said I believe, period. I'm staying at God's side and nothing can separate me. Paul says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes. Nothing, nothing should separate us. Amen. We shouldn't be surprised by what's going on right now. Because we're living in the last days, and we have been chosen for such a time as this. This is the most blessed generation that ever lived on this earth. You and I. Blessed. We are going to see things that no other generation has ever seen. Things that even the prophets and the apostles and all those that went before us would love to be here to see right now. We are going to see it. We're privileged to be here right now. So don't be complaining. Amen. You know, our good friend, Pastor Flint, counsel, pastors True Vine Worship Center with his wife, Brenda, in Freeport, Illinois. He preached a message a little while back entitled, God's Got This. And it's really stuck with me. And, and so no matter what transpires, we have to continue to believe that God's got this. And every time I find myself in a jam or I don't have the answer, that's the first thing that comes to me. Don't worry about it. God's got this. When I don't know tit from tat, when I don't know what's going on or I have no idea what's about to happen, I just comfort myself by saying, God's got this. That's all I need to know. God's got this. Amen? Amen. And, and uh, things may look dark right now. Maybe darker than they've ever looked before. But all that means to me is that God's light will shine brighter. Because the darker it is, the brighter God's light is going to shine. Amen? Amen? And light overpowers darkness every time. Darkness ain't even nothing. Darkness is nothing but the absence of light. You take away light and you got darkness. But when light enters, darkness flees every time. So we're to take our light out there in the dark world and let it shine. Amen. Not hide it under a bushel, not stay home, but get it out there where it can shine. Get up on a hill. But I'm certain, like the psalmist said, I'm certain I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. God's going to show his goodness right here. Philippians 3, 17 through 19, and I'm going to close with this. This is in the Message Bible, and it really spoke to me for today. Not today, Sunday, but this day. Stick with me, friends. 
Keep track of those you see running the same course. What did Pastor S say this morning? Headed for the same goal. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, and trying to get you to go along with them. Did Pastor S say that this morning or not? I've warned you of them many times. Sadly, I'm having to do it again. All they want is easy street. They hate Christ's cross. But easy street is a dead-end street. Those who live there make their bellies their gods. Belches are their praise. All they can think of is their appetites. I'm just going to keep reading this. Again, I don't know exactly what's coming down the pike in these last days, but I'm going to stick to Jesus like Gorilla Glue. And no matter what happens, I will obey his word. I'll preach his word. I'll praise him. I'll give him glory. I will trust in him and no one else. Yes, God is going to use people. Yes, God may use the politicians and the lawyers to cause things to happen. But he's going to do it in such a way that he gets the glory for it. He's going to do it in such a way that we're going to be shaking our heads and say that had to be God. Because no man could have caused this to happen. This came out of nowhere. This came out of left field. Quit trying to figure out what the politicians and the lawyers are going to do. Thank God for them. They are an instrument that God is using. And they are exposing darkness. And that's, as far as I can tell, that's their job right now. Is just find evidence and expose darkness. That's all. They ain't supposed to. Like they say, bring the kraken. God will bring the kraken when the time comes. Amen? Hallelujah. So be encouraged. Don't worry about what's going on in the world. Don't go worry about what's going on in Washington or anywhere else. It rhymes with Washington. Don't worry about any of this stuff. Just keep your eyes on God. Stick with God. Ask him what he wants you to do. Don't tell him what he's going to do. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Hallelujah, Lord. We just love you so much. We thank you, Lord, that you got this. Say it with me. God's got this. Hallelujah. I'm so glad God's got this because I don't know what to do with it. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that God's got this because I don't have the slightest idea where to go or who to look at or what to do next. But God does. God's got this. Hallelujah. So we thank you and we praise you, God, that you got this. Some of us think we're supposed to carry the ball, but I'm handing it off to you. I know you got it. I know you're going to run with it. I know you're going to hit the goal line. You're going to score the touchdown. Hallelujah. I don't have to. All I got to do is find out where you want me to block. Hallelujah. And I will do the blocking. You can do the running. And we thank you and we praise you for a glorious outcome. Hallelujah. And I ain't on, we ain't on no man's side, Lord. We don't care if it's the left, the right, somewhere in the middle. We're on your side. We're following you. We're going to do what you want us to do and go where you want us to do to go say what you want us to say in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.
God bless you. We love you and appreciate you. Facebook family, we'll see you next time. God bless you. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.